Animal Central on cliffcentral.com. Good morning, Wednesday. It is yet again, and it's time for Animal Central with your host Sharon Dale and Ainsley. Hey, hi Ainsley. It's been a good week for you so far? It's been a busy week. Busy week. Busy but productive. I know, and we're only halfway through. Yes, We're only halfway. <laughs> but the weekend through. is in sight, thank heavens. It is in sight, and and I think one of the things we're going to talk about later on with Dr. Clint Austin from Bayer is heat stroke mm-hmm. in animals because this heat at I've the moment. I've almost got heat stroke in this heat. Never mind. Really, being a little hairy puppy dog. Yeah, it is just beyond anybody who's in Johannesburg at the moment knows how hot it has mm-hmm. been. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later, and and then you had some other news about an outreach program that I you're doing. So excited. It's one of my biggest passions as a veterinary nurse. I'm very privileged to be working with um, French Bulldog Rescue South Africa. And we've got a tiny little Facebook page. And we basically use our privileged position with these very sought-after popular dogs um, to use that as a platform to help uplift the community and the animals in the Tozrafia area of the Western Cape. So basically it's been done in the past, but we're doing another outreach. We're doing it on the 26th of October. So I haven't given myself much much notice, (laughs) but we're aiming on sterilizing 55 animals in one day. Wow! So we're going to work out. It's very hard and I'll be running around like a headless chicken, but it's so amazing because one of the easiest ways to improve the welfare of animals in impoverished Mm. areas is to sterilize them because uncontrolled breeding, unwanted animals causes so much unnecessary cruelty. So we're doing a huge drive for this. Basically it's 385. Rand per animal So we've got to raise About 21,000 Rand And we're asking For support And you know It's such a It's such a tangible thing Because for that amount Of money You will You will save Hundreds Hundreds of of animals From suffering And you'll help That one animal So we're asking Please go onto Our Facebook page It's French Bulldog Rescue South Africa and see if you can help us. Even if you just share our posts and get the word out mm. there, any money that we can get, really, it makes such a huge difference to this area. And it is, it's about a 50 kilometer stretch. So we really yes. can manage the population and improve the conditions dramatically. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen so many of these spay and neuter initiatives at the moment and they're absolutely fantastic because mm. as you say, the, the knock-on effect it's amazing is incredible yeah. you you are s- sparing so much so mm. these little lives mm. you're sparing them suffering and possible euthanasia and yet it still goes on in my area mm. this weekend i heard puppies crying oh, no, down no. the road peek over walls there somebody's bred their yeah. bulls and for what? You know, a whole lot of little puppies there and mm. you think for what mm-hmm. when the shelters are so jam-packed exactly so jam-packed and and you get bulls in in mm. rescue in shelters oh, lots lots and lots there is just no reason Mm-mm. to to breed nope. there really really isn't but there's a lot of fun events going mm. on at the moment uh, i mean i was listening yesterday was the or it's today rather the saved by the dogs initiative i don't know oh. if you've heard of that one no. that's a great one in case Town. What they actually do is Tears uh, Shelter, well, it's Tears Animal Rescue and Hills um, Pet Food have actually come together and they've done this. You, you go down to the gardens, the company gardens in Cape Town, and you mm-hmm. go and take some of the Tears Shelter Dogs for oh, a walk. Wonderful. So in your lunch hour, get away from the stress, get away from all the hassles of business world and traffic, head down to the company gardens and go and take these dogs for a walk. Huge amount of fun. I know people that went on the last one said it was such a nice break to the day and they'll never forget it. And uh, there's one taking place today, the 14th. The next one's on the 11th of November and then the 9th of December. So if you want to know more about it, you can follow um, hashtag Saved by the Dogs 
or you can contact Tears Animal Rescue at 021-785-4482. And who knows, you might fall in love with one of the little doggies that you take for Hopefully a Hopefully so. Yeah. But now talking about events, our first guest today is Dale. Now, Dale, Dale Robin, you are... One of the organisers of the wonderful Matters Waterworks. Yes, hi Sharon. Um, Waterworks is actually a new event for us. Um, oh, really? Because Matters was earlier this year. Yes. I'll be honest. I it was the best event I'd attended. It was so much fun. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, we started the the social network and decided mm. that um, dog people prefer to be outside than sitting behind a computer. So we decided to do the first annual Dog Day last yes. year, November. We were so taken aback by. The response that we got That we decided not to wait another year And did mm. another one in May Which we were very privileged yes. to have you come yes. And uh, Oh no, it was so much fun It was fantastic So again, people started moaning at us in about June mm. Saying, please don't make us wait another <laughs> year And bearing in mind the South African summer We decided that the best thing we could do for the dogs Was to bring water into the mix okay. So we are essentially turning the ball and all driving range In Lanceria into a dog park <laughs> Full of water A mud awesome. pit <laughs> A mud pit It's going to be a water park for dogs And um, we've got Got the most incredible things lined up, and um, especially in the current heat wave, we're hoping yes. that uh, people come and take advantage of that with their dogs. Yes. And uh, it's, it's are the dog's owners allowed to get in the water as well? I don't think they're going to have much of a choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is the, the we have sprinklers that will be coming on at random uh, times throughout ooh. the day. And uh, so no white t-shirts then. Uh, well, <laughs> you've got to have a wet t-shirt. That's what's going to get the can fathers. We do some fundraising? <laughs> can we do some fundraising for our favourite NPOs? We, we can auction off the, the girls and their white t-shirts. But that is the motivation for the dads to be there: is the white t-shirts. Um, I'm sure they will be girls in bikinis. I'm saying, mm. just saying, yeah, I'm just saying. But mm-hmm. um, yes, we've got uh, we've got lots of things lined up. We've got a couple of demos lined up. We've got the ladies from um, the dancing dogs coming again. Oh, um, they are fantastic. Yes. They've been with us every single time and they are, the entertainment value is huge. And then we're obviously also supporting a couple of uh, charities. Mm. We've given away 10 free slots for the charities to come and set up their stalls, Brilliant. make themselves aware. Um, ninth day, can I, can yeah. I list them? Oh, yeah. please do. We've got the ninth day who many people on Facebook will know from Bismarck. Yes. Mm. Everyone's following Bismarck quite, yes. uh, quite closely. Yeah. So ninth day is going to be there. We've also got Irwin Animal Rescue Center. We've got Wet Nose. We've got Animal Instincts MPO. Husky Romy Wolf Sanctuary, who nice. have been at all of our events. They're yes. awesome. Um, Sandpaper Kisses, which is a new one. Oh, um, haven't heard of them. Cutest name in the world. Yes. Um, they, they deal a lot with cats, but obviously with the dogs as well. So that's why they'll be at Mutters. And then um, we've got Animals in Distress. We've also got Mischief Rat Rescue, which mm. is a strange one, but uh, they're going to be there regardless. Mm. So um, they, they're awesome. She does wonderful work with the, with the rats. And then Highfield Horse Care Unit, because nice. uh, dog people are generally horse people. Yes. So yes. those are our, um, our charities. And then we've also got uh, an awesome sponsor on board. If I just like Supreme, to say, is it? Supreme yes. Pet is back for the third time. Um, Marty Victor and her team are unbelievable. Mm. They're sponsoring all our prizes. So oh, we've got games and stuff. And They're wonderful oh, people. I work closely with Yvette, who writes articles for the magazine. Yeah. They really have their hearts in the right place. They do a weekly charity giveaway. Yes, they do. It's just every single week they're giving away stuff. Huge the amounts of food. They're incredible. Yeah. And they're so organized. And, yeah, so they're coming to – we've got games to play, which is where the owners are going to start getting filthy dirty. And it's <laughs> – 
the entertainment value is going to be huge. So I hope everybody will come along. It's the 1st of November. Yes. How do um, people apply to come along? Is there tickets? Or? Um, tickets are at the gate. They, if I'm not mistaken, 20 rand a ticket. Um, you get them nothing. at the gate. Nothing. And um, it's basically just to cover the venue yes. and the, the fun stuff. Yes. And then um, you can come in and support your charities directly Brilliant. once you're inside. And then you can enter on the day for the games. We've got some fun stuff. We've got the balloon and spoon race. We're going to be shooting each other with water pistols and <laughs> generally going back to being <laughs> see, children. I think we have to be there and interview know. some people. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love that. And then, as I say, you can get tickets um, at the gate, but you can find out all the information on Facebook. We have got a Facebook page um, event. It's just Mutters Waterworks. And then also, obviously, the Mutters website, which yes. is mutters.co.za. Now, I want to ask you, when I was there, one of the best, if, well, the events that you ran that I actually judged was the dress-up competitions. <laughs> are you going to do that again? There are no fancy dresses this time. Mm-hmm. Um, what we are going to be doing, however, is we're going to be doing a Mr. and Miss <laughs> Mutters Day Waterworks. So we're going to ask for the you, human, for the dogs. Oh, for the dogs. So okay. I don't know if you recall last time we had the little Jack Russell yes. who had his whole sun tanning maneuver yes. going down. She rubbed sun, sunscreen on his belly and he oh. rubbed. It was very cute. So we got a, a, a Mutter's Got Talent and we're going to try and get them to do it, uh, do their trick summer style and uh, we will be giving the prizes according to who's got the best summer mojo on the oh, day. Brilliant. Yes. That sounds like so much. You see, I mean, an event like that where it's so much fun for mm. the human as and well the as animal, the dog. Yeah. Exactly. And what, what day and need. time is that again? It's 1st of November. We're opening gates at 10 o'clock and we'll run through till 3. There is going to be, there'll be plenty of shade. We have got a Pub and restaurant on site, lots of food stalls. So plenty of space for people to sit and just chill and relax and obviously get very damp and very muddy. Yes. So yes. Uh, we, we do hope everyone will, will come along. There's something for everyone. We've got jumping castles for the kids. Um, and if anything, the last couple of events, anything to go by, more fun for the adults than the, uh, yes, the dogs. Absolutely. Yes. We didn't want to leave last time. <laughs> it was so much fun. I bought so gorgeous dogs pillows and the stands that you yeah. had, they were also great. We've got a lot of stalls. There's a whole market space full of everything mm. dogs. Related, animal related, so bring lots of money, and uh, everyone walks away with shopping bags full yes. of stuff. No, because it's good stuff that you don't see anywhere else. Good quality stuff. Yeah. The South African traders that we get in are, are very, you know, they're, they're, it's proudly South African stuff. Mm. It really is fantastic. It's perfect for Christmas shopping. Christmas yes. is mm. coming up. Exactly. It's for a good cause. It's for a great cause. If I can just give one more shout out to mm. um, one of our other sponsors, um, Billabone. She oh. is Anita from Billabone. She has done a range of dog bandanas, which I feel. Every dog owner should actually own one because it's very clever. It's things, it's things like a yellow bandana saying, okay. please don't approach uh, me. Don't I've touch. seen that in England. Yes. Mm. Or I'm in training or, you know, my dog's just wearing a red one saying I'm cute. You know, yes, it's, yes, yes. it's one of those things. So, and then all the bandanas can get wet. So if you can wet them oh, and it helps okay. cool your dog down. down. So, um, That's she clever. will be there with her stuff on sale and the stuff is amazing quality. Um, and you know, for deaf dogs, there's a white one and, and mm, so it goes. So, yes. um, she's, she must come, everyone must come and check her out. Let's actually get hold of her for them for Canine Zone magazine because I'd Absolutely. love to do an article on that because a lot of people don't know that mm. whole system. Mm. I know, is it the yellow one? Hey, don't yellow touch. red. Yes. yes. And yeah. I think we need to do an article on that because people don't know what they mean. Mm. You know, one of the questions I got asked before the previous event was how do you get, because the last event had 800 dogs at it okay. wow. and we were all on leashes and oftentimes you'll hear people saying, oh, that's the worst thing you can do because dogs are going to fight. Mm. And we had 800 dogs on leashes and not a single issue. And the reason we did not 
not have a single issue was because everyone was respectful of yes. the dogs and their bandanas. And she only made 20 of them. And within the first uh. hour that people had cottoned on to what these things were, 20 were gone, sold. And the clients came up, the, the, the people came up to me afterwards and said, what a difference it made to their day. Because yes. instead of having to haul their dog around by the neck because people kept crowding them, they were given a wide berth. So it's an amazing yes. initiative. And uh, I really support, you know, even when you go to Walkhaven on a Sunday, it's something that mm. your dog should be wearing. Should be wearing. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I must say, Dale, you guys have really done a great job with promoting the event. Thank you. I think that's also what really helps to make events successful. You know, some of them are so quiet and nobody mm. knows about it, but you've always been out there and promoted it. My so business partner, Meryl, really is, well. is amazing at that. Meryl Rosenberg is our, our social mm, media yes. guru, and she, she gets all of the events out there. Facebook's an incredible mm. an incredible marketing tool, and um, yes, I'd encourage the, the MPOs and that too to make use of it because it's these days the only no, way people absolutely. hear about you. And if you missed all the information, we've actually done, Dale, an article Lovely. in the current issue of Canine Zone. Thank you. Which is on shelves at the moment. So you can read about it in there. You can get the address. You can get the times, the dates, who to contact as well. That's and at okay. the same time, you can also read a great article on how to help your dogs cope with grief. I love oh, this article. Delicious. It's actually... Um, Written by an American um, lady who has written books and who's helped people cope with the, the death of their dogs. Mm. And you don't realize that dogs can also suffer when their Definitely. playmate or, Absolutely. you know, passes away. So go out and get the current issue. And as I say, you can find out more about the, this event as well. I'll definitely be there. I can't wait. We can't wait to see you, Sharon. Can't Thank you wait. so much for, for the opportunity. Fun. I won't be wearing chat. a white T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would chase a lot of the people away. <laughs> no, thanks so much, Thank Dale. You, and then talking about cooling down and getting into the water and the heat wave, I now want to speak to Dr. Clint Austin. Thank you for coming back again. We've, you're a regular guest. And it's so great to have you here today because we, we spoke last week about this heat wave and, and the summer coming up and how dogs can overheat very, very quickly, um, you know, in cars, being taken for a walk or being put outside where there's no shelter. Don't you want to tell us a little bit more about heat, st- about heat stroke? What is it? Sure. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Ainsley. Nice to see you guys. Look, heat stroke, uh, in order to understand heat stroke, you need to first understand how dogs thermoregulate. Mm. And the dog's most important mechanism for ther- thermoregulation is the respiratory system. Remember, dogs can't sweat like we do. They can, they have some sweat glands on the nasal planum, so basically it's sort of the top surface of the nose and in the, between their foot pads. That's the really? only place they can sweat. So not in their armpits not at or all. their, what do you call not the at leg? All. No. No, not at all. So dogs rely very heavily on their respiratory system to thermoregulate, and that's why when it gets hot, dogs pant. That's mm. what they do because they're, they're exchanging heat. Now, put a dog in a situation where his, respiratory system is taxed or cannot function as efficiently as it normally would in order to exchange heat, you're going to run into trouble. Mm. And that's why we see where our most our, our breeds most predisposed to heat stroke are your brachycephalic breeds or those flat-faced breeds. So we're talking bulldogs, um, French bulldogs, um, anything with, with a flat nose basically. Yes. Struggle because we know they don't have the most efficient of respiratory systems and uh, put them in any, in, any, in, in any kind of situation where 
they really need to pant and they need to breathe fast and they need to breathe efficiently, those are going to be dogs that are going to be affected first. Yes, yes. And I mean, as we were saying earlier, let's let's look first at keeping a dog in a car. You know, even if you go shopping for five minutes with the window slightly open, it's still going to affect them. Absolutely. And bearing in mind what I've just said, where they use their respiratory system to thermoregulate, you're sitting in a hot car, Mm. and we know how quickly the temperatures Mm. inside the car will climb. I mean, within five minutes, you can go 35 degrees plus. Mm. Now the dog is breathing in air that is hotter than his own body temperature. Mm. How does he thermoregulate? Mm. Right, so that becomes becomes a very very big problem. Um, Also, I just want to touch on the fact that heat stroke or suspected heat stroke is a medical emergency. Right, so this is not something we should try and treat at home and let's see how we go and then decide to go to the vet later. It's a medical emergency. It's a medical emergency. Um, So if you've got a dog in the car, I know a lot of people like taking their little dogs with them. If you have to run into a shop, is there any safe amount of time you can leave a dog in a car? Is it a no-no in the summer? It's going to depend on the weather. Um, I mean, I've been just been in Canada for the last ten days. Mm. I've been watching the weather here, and it, 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 it's been unbelievable. Mm. The temperatures we're having, and we desperately need some rain. Yes. So if you're sitting in a day like we've been having, the last thirty-five, thirty-six degrees, you can't even leave your dog in a car for two minutes. Mm. Okay. Uh, it's going to get really, really hot. Mm. But you know, if you're talking about a sort of cold, cloudy, overcast day, and you've cracked the windows and there's enough fresh air, okay, sure. But use your discretion. Yes. I mean, and and you want to do that, just think: Would you leave your child in the car? Right. There, oh, your sadly, comparison. some people. Yeah, I was yeah just I, I, as I said that, yeah. I thought maybe that's not the best yeah. comparison. But you can also just think how uncomfortable. If you were sitting in that vehicle yeah. yes. in the sun, how quickly would you become uncomfortable? Mm. Because you're quite right. If you stop your car in a parking exactly. lot when you get in, I mean, the other it's day in the West Rand, it was 38 yeah. degrees. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Mm. So I'm I'm not a fan of of leaving dogs in in no. cars. I'm really not. Particularly just you know dogs get they're getting anxious. Particularly dogs they can destroy and wreck your vehicle at yes. the same time. Yes. But but it's really not safe. So what happens in that case in the car? They overheat. So what they happens? They tend to overheat. Uh, now your body's um, thermoregulatory mechanisms or the dog's thermoregulatory mechanisms are not able to cope. So now. The body, which is designed to operate at specific temperatures, now have been forced to cope with much higher temperatures. Those higher temperatures have a wide range of effects, but a lot of it is damage to cells and damage to organs. And in fact, that's the, the, the sort of probably the most serious sequelae yes. of, of, of heat stroke is organ failure, particularly mm. kidney failure. And that is something we need to be very, very careful mm. of, which sort of brings us to emergency treatment of of heat stroke. Yes. You know, well, what, what are the signs? What are the classic signs that an owner should look out for and be alert to? Obviously, the first thing you need to think of is your dog is not well. He's quiet. He's possibly panting more than he should be. Um, not eating. Obviously, just not himself. The first thing you're going to think of is, okay, what did we do today? If you were out walking in the hot sun, mm. there wasn't enough water around, your dog has been stuck in a hot car or possibly out in a hot backyard how many people mm. go to work every day and mm. leave their dogs in the back yes. there's absolutely with no, no shade, shelter whatsoever yeah. and in this heat wave a small backyard with no air circulation mm. dogs are going to struggle mm. so you get home your dog's displaying symptoms of lethargy listlessness possible panting even collapse okay battling to breathe um, there's a history of exposure to severe heat mm-hmm. then you've got a good chance that you've got heat stroke on your hands um, but uh, there aren't any very s- symptoms that are specific yes. to heat stroke. Sure. You, you could look at it and say, okay, this is definitely heat stroke. Right, mm-hmm. right. It's very nonspecific related to the dog not feeling well. But in this weather, everyone should just be completely on the alert. Absolutely. And if you think there's any reason that it's heat stroke, just rather take well, the to the vet. Absolutely, yeah. if you're concerned. Um, and, and is this a veterinary situation? You yes, need to get to This is a medical vet. emergency. Okay. All right, all it right. really is the dog. So it's not something you can try and treat at home. 
No. Uh, you can initiate some emergency treatment at home in the meantime, mm. but you need to go to the vet. What would you need to do? I think the easiest thing to do is probably just put some ice packs um, in the axilla, so that's the armpits, and in the groin area and then guinal regions. You've got big, major blood vessels flowing through those areas, and that is probably the most efficient way. It's the guinal area. In guinal area. So that's the groin area. Uh-huh. Uh, sort of, uh, I the, learned the, something the today. <laughs> we'll call them the hind limb armpits. How's okay. that? <laughs> No, I like that. Next time I was in a meeting, I was going to throw that out. You know, the inguinal area of a dog. (laughs) (laughs) So put some ice packs in there, all right, or at least some cold water. um, And that is probably a very efficient way. Obviously, with those major blood vessels flowing through there, it's going to cool the blood. There's a lot of sort of back and forth, but the general consensus about dumping the dog into a bath of cold Mm. water is not great. Remember, cold water in the skin causes your blood vessels to constrict in the mm-hmm. skin. That's a natural reflex. So what's going to happen is you've now got less blood going to the mm-hmm. skin, and the dog's even less able to thermoregulate. Mm-hmm. So okay. really just pack some ice packs into those uh, inguinal and axillary areas and off to the vet as fast as possible. And then what would the vet do? What is the treatment? Generally what tends to happen is you get these dogs into IV fluid therapy as fast as possible um, and also uh, cool them down. So those are your top two priorities. Uh, is to cool them down and generally those two go hand in hand in that you can cool the, the, the intravenous fluid that's going into the dog you can cool that just by running the drip line through yes. some cooled water okay. and that very effectively cools them down yes. once you've got their body temperature down you've got them stabilized they need to get their blood perfusion up because we're worried about renal failure and organ failure and then high doses of corticosteroids, all right, for the anti-inflammatory effect to try and counter the damage that the heat stroke Goodness, is doing. Now, so it really is an emergency. Oh, no, emergency. it's a huge yeah. emergency. Yeah, absolutely. Practices come to a halt when you get a heat stroke in. It's yeah. drop and drop everything and attend to that animal. And you'd think people would, well, I'm hoping people listen to this and, and get it. And and now, what about you saying earlier, and, and we were talking about taking your dogs to an event or a dog park or something like that, in this hot weather... Is it something that you can do safely? What precautions should you be taking? Can you take your dogs for walks when it's when we're having a wee heat wave? Yes, of course you can. Remember, a normal dog is able to thermoregulate quite mm. well by panting. Yes. And I call, I, I say normal dog. I don't consider Brachycephalic Breeze yeah. terribly normal. <laughs> and My gut is going to I was bite waiting you for that. Bite or fart That's why I'm sitting on the, the other side over yes. here. I'm sitting, I, <laughs> She's a French bulldog girl. <laughs> I know, I know. It makes me even better. Gus is the best. He's the he's the most normal creature ever. <laughs> you notice I say creature. <laughs> I reserve comment. And so bearing in mind if it's an extremely hot day, am I gonna take my bulldog or my French bulldog for a walk? Okay, but then make sure you've got some cool water along, make sure there's some water along the way or some shade or somewhere that you can stop and rest. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And probably early, early morning and yep. late afternoons. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have be to best. you have to be respons- responsible mm. only when you have a dog like that. Absolutely. I mean Gus Pooh, he will come to matters, but he will be repeatedly dunked in water throughout the day and he will be monitored with an eagle eye. Uh, uh, yeah, and bear in mind dogs that have got a fairly excitable temperament will mm. work themselves up. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They get very, very excited and that drives their body temperature up. And if they can't thermoregulate or there isn't a means for them to sort of get rid of some of that excess body heat, yes. they may well struggle. So some dogs, I mean, don't swim by themselves. Other dogs, you can't keep them out of the water. Mm. Um, but if there is no water really available, you should probably be carrying some water along yes. in water bottles, any number of commercial products available, water bottles for dogs that they can drink on a regular basis. And you can wet them down a little mm. bit if you need to. 
Okay, so that does help, mm. keeping them cool with water. Correct. Another important okay. thing for those breeds, pugs, bulldogs, uh, French bulldogs, is never to use a collar on them because now they've got such effort to pant and to breathe as it mm. is. If you're putting a collar on and you're restricting them that way, that also has a serious effect. So always use harnesses yeah. on your Bostons, your pugs, all of those. That also Very makes a big point. difference. So, yes, mm-hmm. that's Very a good, good idea. Now, I read that if you... If you can't put your hand on the tarmac for longer than five seconds, you shouldn't be taking your dog for a walk because they can also burn their, their paws. Of course. I mean, their foot pads are fairly sensitive. And although they design, they walk on their foot pads all day long and they're probably a little bit more hardy than the skin of your hands, mm. that heat travels through the foot pads. It gets transferred. Um, and also that then makes it soft. It makes them more susceptible to damage. So just think of your dog's comfort levels. Yes. You know, um, probably not the best idea to go and do 20Ks with your bulldog in the middle of a hot summer's no, day. No, not a good idea at all. And what about water? And you should always make sure there's water available. Is there a difference now bef- between heat stroke and dehydration? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Heat stroke is the body temperature that has gone too high. Dehydration is excessive loss of body water. Although the two probably go hand in hand, you've got a dog with heat stroke, he is in all likelihood dehydrated, but a dehydrated dog is not necessarily suffering from heat stroke. Okay. Now, a dehydrated dog, that, the, the causes of that can be heat and no water available? Correct. Can be illness? Can be illness. Di- it could uh, be yeah, diarrhea, diarrhea okay. vomiting. Anything that causes the dog to lose excessive amounts of water or a dog that doesn't take in enough water yes. will cause dehydration, which can also be a medical emergency depending on how far along they're dehydrated. Um, you know, dogs can, we can probably, and even humans can tolerate maybe a 2 to 3% loss um, of body water that you can probably replace orally and be okay. Anything above that, you know, you're starting to run into a bit of trouble there. And yes. Because you need some sort of re- fluid therapy replacement. And now I was always told that you can see if a dog's dehydrated by lifting their skin and pinching the skin. Is that true? Is that accurate? It does. What it's called skin tinting. So, and the same is true for humans as well. Um, although by the time, this, so what happens is it, it's more visible in horses. Uh, dogs, you know, have got a thick coat. Um, it's a little mm, bit more difficult to see, yes, but you, you basically you pinch the skin, and in a normal skin, a skin that's well hydrated and elastic, the skin will just drop back normally. In a dehydrated animal, that skin stays tinted. But by the time that you're starting to see skin tinting, you're really sort of pushing past five or seven oh, percent really? dehydration, which really means you're in a bit of trouble. Um, capillary refill time is a fairly good indicator. Sharon, I mean, we can demonstrate on here if you like, but if you lift your <laughs> no. dog's lip and you press the pink gun. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You'll smudge my lipstick, darling. <laughs> the um, if you if you you have a normal pink gum and you press yes. on it, it goes white. Oh. Um, and then the amount of time that it takes to go pink again is obviously an indicator of blood pressure, and which is obviously related to to, to hydration. So, a so dog, you press on the gum and yep. then see how long it takes for the color to come back. Yeah, generally you want to, you want that pink color to come back in under two seconds. Um, anything sort of above that could be an indicator of low blood pressure, not necessarily dehydration. Ah. But dehydration obviously means there's a hypovolemia, yes. so you don't have enough water, and that could cause low blood pressure. Again, not the most sensitive indicator, but mm. it can give you an idea. Because I've heard you can do that to check circulation. You can. The other thing, dogs, dogs that are dehydrated, their, their gums and mucous membranes become quite tacky. So instead of being wet and slobbery and slimy, they almost mm. feel a bit sticky. Um, and that is also an indicator of possible dehydration. I mean, as long as you've got enough water, a dog will drink when it's thirsty normally. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, they just they just need to drink, and obviously, um, 
again, water and, and, and heat, just be aware of the heat. Because mm. you'd be amazed how, <laughs> again, how many people would probably go off to work in the day and mm. forget to fill up the water bowl. And in this heat, the water's mm. evaporating it a lot quicker. Correct. So you've, you've really got to be really attentive about your animals, all animals in this heat. Yes. No, definitely. And I, uh, there's one more thing I want to find out now. We're talking about dogs swimming. I've got dogs that will not go near the pool but you know a lot of people's dogs are always in the water and whatever and in fact my son's girlfriend went and got one of those kitty you know mm. those shells the mm. sand pits for her two little pugs to okay. swim in because they love water huh? drowning that's that's something that you also probably mm. need to be aware of in Absolutely. this summer season mm. because pools are open nets mm-hmm. are off You're spot on correct yeah. particularly with small dogs that are unable to climb out of the pool by themselves and don't mm-hmm. know to swim to the step yes certain dog breeds just aren't good swimmers mm-hmm. um you know your brachycephalic yeah. Gus is a swimmer <laughs> Gus is a swimmer I took him first day to walk heaven yes. I, I trundled out halfway into the pond and I dropped him to sea and, and he, he swam. swim and now he hippos out of his own free will he finds the muddiest <laughs> nastiest bit of water and he hippos and rolls in it and then gets in my car and rolls in my car he loves me gotta love them no well that's great I mean I had a Staffy that used to if he, he fell in the water he'd sink like a stone yeah. but that's why it's so important down. and there's I mean there's been deaths at dog parks of mm. people who take their dogs to dog parks they're around big bodies of water and they don't check you have to check and literally take your dog in with you guided um that's why i like the harness because it's literally like a dog on a yes, handle you, can lift you drop them and you see what they do and also the best way you can check if they've got a swimming reflex as you put them down towards they'll start paddling frantically okay. and you can sort of it's not mean it's for the for the best the best of them but you sort of dunk them just to try and get that f- swimming reflex really going yes. and then guide them and make and sure that they head, also make sure that they're heading they know how to head inland as opposed to out into the deeper area but yeah. you have to check that with your dogs if you're going to take them to areas and if you've got swimming pools always keep them covered or get you can get little steppies that are um, a special ramp that's made because even well, especially with dogs that are older, you know, you know, owners will have them for years and years and years. And as they get older, it, they're arthritic. It's mm. harder for them to get down and drink water and they fall in and they can't get out. So yes. you need to either completely seal off the pool, make it inaccessible or have a ramp so they can get so out they can easily. Get out. Mm. And it's interesting that you say that I was at Walkhaven a few weeks ago and there was a lady with two pugs mm. and she literally went and flung them in the water <laughs> and they sank. Oh. And she literally, we were panicking, going, oh, I nearly got my son to jump mm. in. And she jumped in and brought them out mm. again. But yeah. I'd like the she idea to have a harness yeah, yeah, that's, and be in That the works water. like a charm. Gus, Gus is now a hippo, so it worked. Yeah. <laughs> and now if you come across your dogs in the pool, is there anything you can do, uh, resuscit- uh, you know, resuscitation techniques? Yeah, the CPR in dogs can be done. Um, I, the first thing I do is obviously if you come across your dog um, in the in the pool, um, again, it's get to the vet as soon as possible. Mm. You can try and sort of um, you know just try and pump the water out the lungs or sort of hang them upside down, try and get as much water out the lungs as possible. Um, CPR instead of mouth to mouth is mouth to nose in dogs, oh, okay. so you can sort of close the close the um, close their mouth and generally sort of put your whole mouth over their nose yes. and use their nose to do CPR. Um, it's if you know CPR and you're trained in CPR, the principles are the same. Okay. Um, 
but, but again, if there's any kind of situation, you just, just get them to the vet get as soon as humanly vet. possible. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's scary. It's a really, really scary. I mean, summer is a wonderful time of the year, but there are dangers out there for our best friends. And I'm sure the same applies to cats. I don't know if cats suffer from heat stroke as well, but Not I'm so sure much. they move. <laughs> yeah, they tend to be yeah. a little bit more sensible than yes. our canine friends. And they, you know, they sort of, yeah. they're not ones for running around and going no. crazy and they usually find some shade and relax. So I don't think I've ever treated a case of heat stroke yeah. in a cat. Persians can get it, but only generally when they, they don't have areas to get away. Correct. They're forced into That's the it. sun mm, and they can't get out of sure. heat. Flat-faced breeds. Yes. Again. <laughs> Special little munchkin. <laughs> Dr. Clint, thank you so much Always for joining us again. Guys. And we're going to have you back again in the next couple of weeks because we, we missed you um, the first uh, week of this month because you were overseas. I was. I was. Wonderful. But did you enjoy it? I did. It was good. I was in Canada for about a week. Um, back Lovely. to winter temperatures yes, again. So yes. the nought degrees, 12 degrees, but fabulous experience. Um, just trying to sort of convince my body that I'm back on South African time now. <laughs> no, thank you so much for joining us again. And Dale, thank you. We will thank definitely you. see you at Mutter's Waterworks. It's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward We're to it. We're going to take a little a quick song break and we'll be back with Corinne Spotterswood. This is CliffCentral.com. And we're back. We've got a message here in from Sebeko. He's saying, my housemate cat has just got four, my housemate's cat just had four kittens. What should he be doing at the moment? He's selling one for 350. Ainsley, do you want to take this one? Yes. Well, thanks for contacting us first, Sebeko. The most important thing is that he shouldn't, A, be breeding the cats, and B, um, he should be looking for responsible homes that are going to sterilize them. So it's quite difficult finding homes for cats in South Africa. Mm. That's the first thing. So, Sebeko, I would strongly recommend that you tell your housemate to contact his local SPCA or Animal Welfare Society and contact them for assistance. Because if he doesn't want the mom or he doesn't want the kittens, then the SPCA mm. can help him with that and also help him to sterilize because yes. this is going to happen all the time. Yeah. And there's lots and lots of cats in the country that need homes, that don't have homes. Mm. So please tell him to contact the SPCA. You can go on to www.nspca.co.za and they've got a list of all SPCAs in the country's contact number. Right. Because, I mean, as you say, there's so many homeless kitties mm. right now. He he won't be able to sell them. No. <laughs> not for, you know, not for no. anything because for there's peanuts. just so many. Yeah. No. So SPCA is going to help. Exactly. Yeah. And then you won't have the, the current kitties he's got. SPCA would also help with yeah, that. all of them. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, now we're going to speak to Corinne Spotterswood. Corinne, you've been a regular guest. We love having you here because you've got so much information that you can help us to understand this world that we live in. Now, today we're going to focus on insects. Now, I'm one of these people. I love every animal, but there's one animal that I am just, I have a phobia. I'm terrified, I'm, and that is a grasshopper. I don't know why. Cricket, I'm fine. Not a problem, but bring a locust or a grasshopper with to anywhere near me. I lose control, Ainsley. I literally cannot. I've embarrassed my I'm family because I'm sympathising. Are you the same? No, but I extend to all flying bugs. I can deal with the spider. I can deal with the lion. I can deal yes. with the snake, charging elephant, anything. But a flying bug, Christmas beetles, I turn into oh, the no, I biggest love them. Oh no, no, nah. I love no, holding no, no, no. them and nah. save their Mm-mm. lives out the pool and Mm-mm. everything. But a locust, and especially at the botanical gardens, it's quite big coloured ones. <gasps> I tell you what, I scream, I run, I lose it. I'm like a mental person at the, t- I can't handle it. But they're necessary. 
Hey, Karine, yes. we need these little guys in our lives. We do, and I understand that you, you know, one doesn't like grasshoppers that much. I mean, they jump, you know, they're a bit scary. Mm. And they, yeah, if you hold them, they can give you the males. They have got mandibles that are, you know, they can give you a bit of a nip. But oh, they can? I'm glad I never hold grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. But they, they're part of our ecosystem. They, are, they, they eat plants. And then their droppings contribute towards compost, so you do yeah. actually need 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 grasshoppers. Um, and a lot of thing, a lot of creatures eat them. The ones you see in the botanical gardens are they eat um, clivias, and they eat well. There are various different ones that eat different things, but depending what they eat, um, if they eat toxic leaves, mm. then um, then obviously they're not that popular amongst mm. the, the other animals that eat them. But the yeah, the birds eat them. Um, other creatures also eat them, so they are part of our, our ecosystem. So they, yeah, they contribute towards compost, and they are eaten, and they're so they're food as well. Yes, mm. and that's with, with with most insects. I'm just fascinated with insects. Each one has a different story. We take in the Cliffordon Nature Reserve. We take children for walks, the the school children, and we teach them about the value of insects. Um, I think most people don't appreciate how important they are, mm. because if you think of the pollinators, your bees mm. and um, and butterflies, a lot of Insects have are um, they they eat nectar from the flowers and then in doing so their pollen gets attached to their bodies on the, the if they've got little hairy bodies they go and they go to the next flower so they pollinate flowers they produce seeds I mean that en- enables the flower to produce seeds without pollinators you wouldn't have seeds mm-hmm. without seeds you don't have plants mm-hmm. so you know, it's really important when one doesn't think about it mm-hmm. and there's actually a shortage of bees I think mm, um, as, as people we, we use insecticides a lot um, you know we don't like mosquitoes and we Obviously, the farms have to spray that the beetles don't eat the leaves, you know, of, of the of the of the cabbages or whatever, and then a lot of of these these pollinators are actually killed, and that's why it's very important to have biodiversity mm. that you that, to have a place where these insects can actually uh, survive and yes. that you have and, and have different ones because insects need different different habitats. I mean, they need different things that they eat. If they eat if they are herbivorous or if they're carnivorous, they need you know a biodiversity. Mm. So the, the nature reserve uh, where um, the Friends of Gruffendal have their edu- environmental educational program is very important because it's got a lot of biodiversity. You can teach um, children, adults, everybody respect for, for nature, mm. that you actually uh, – there's a whole um, interdependence of – of plants and animals there, so insects. Yes, um, everything has got, everything has a story. Yes. So whatever um, the participants in our guided walks find, they, they you can tell something about it. Like you've got bugs and beetles. Everybody thinks they're maybe well, not everybody, but they're the same. <laughs> but they're not. They're different, and they do different things. Um, your your bugs are like your cicadas. They have a, they have a tube. You know, they don't have teeth or anything. They have a, they have a, they pierce and they suck whatever they eat. Mm-hmm. So it can be they can be eating. Well, the, the cicadas eat. Um, they suck juice from the plants. Um, so they have their piercing mouth part. Mouth part. Then you've got your beetles that that chew. You've got these that, that they. So if you look at leaves uh, of of plants and you see there are, are bits missing, mm. then you know you've got a you've got a beetle That's there. A beetle. That's okay. chewing. Or it could also also be a caterpillar. Of course, caterpillars okay. are very active at the moment because in springtime everything is just you know, the leaves are nice green and they mm. you know. They taste great. So um, that's when your butterflies, then the bu- butterflies in wintertime, they're in their pupil stage. And then they come out in spring because that's when there's nice fresh food for their, mm. after they lay the eggs, the eggs hatch and there's a nice, nice, uh, nice fresh food for the, for the caterpillars to eat. And then the caterpillars must be kept in balance because you, you've got your, at the moment you've got the uh, acria, that's orange butterfly that you find on the wild peach trees. They're very common. Yes. And they, those caterpillars are ferocious. They can just, 
chow, all the leaves, you know. Oh, really? So there needs to be balance. So you don't want uh, all the leaves to be chowed. So you have um, animals that eat those caterpillars and the... Yeah, the ones, the, the, the actual caterpillars are eaten by the Dedex cuckoo. Oh, and they're migrants. So and they're they, migrants uh, because okay. in wintertime there's no food because yeah. there are no caterpillars because in wintertime the, the, um, yeah, the, 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 uh, there's no food for the, for the, for the caterpillars to eat. So, so, so the Dedex cuckoos don't have yes. food. In, okay. In, in, so that's, in and then they migrate to come to time their arrival and with the hatching of the larva of the caterpillars. That's it. And Brilliant. you can hear them, you know, they hear the mm. Dedex Dedex Dedex. And it's, it's just very interesting when they come back. Because of course, they go to hotter, hotter climate, yes. but there is food for them. But they breed in in South, in Africa. South Africa. So when they come back, they initially, um, yeah, they, they, the travel is a bit tiring for them, so they don't really call. But then yes. when you hear them calling, it's a male, okay, to to entice the female. And are they also? Do they steal nests from other birds? Absolutely, ah. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> they do. The, all the cuckoos do that. You've got your your um, red-chested cuckoo. You've got your. I heard Redis my first. That's the, that's the pygmy frog. Yes, I heard yes. my first one the other day. Yes. I was so happy yes, that they're back. Yes, yes, that's a funny name, repeat my frog. It really sounds a bit odd. <laughs> 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 but anyway, the Dedex cuckoo. Yeah. So they they um they parasitize the the weavers. Mm. So you you have your weavers now. They they're busy. The males making the nest yes. and then. Uh, uh, as you know, the female checks that he does a good job, and if the god, job is not good enough, she, <laughs> she, she, she tells him. No, no, actually, he does. Oh, he tells, okay. yeah, tells him that's not good enough. I'm not going to mate with you, you know, with a nest like that. <laughs> <laughs> so he he keeps building nests till she's satisfied. Then he mates with her, and then she's left to look after the babies. And she lays her eggs, and he goes off and he goes and makes friends with <laughs> with another oh, female. Yes. Okay, <laughs> female. <laughs> but then, yeah. So then she sits on her eggs. The female. Um, weaver, and then the the didi cuckoos that come, the 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 male comes along, and harasses her, and she she then she gets you know he puts his head in the in the nest, and she gets fed up the female weaver, and then she will chase him, um, oh. the, the didi cuckoo okay. male, and the didi cuckoo female will then chop go in quickly and lay oh, one egg, sneaky, um, yeah, and her eggs look the same as the weaver eggs, oh. so they. The weaver mum comes so back. So she lays the egg with the weaver's mm. eggs. She puts it, in, yeah, in between just one, and then she goes and finds other other nests where she yes. will lay just one, and then uh, yeah, then the the weaver mum comes back and doesn't know that, that that there's another egg. Another incubation period of the of the of the cuckoo egg is shorter than the weaver one. So the cuckoo egg will hatch first, and then weaver mum will have to feed the little cuckoo, and then. Um, yeah, and then by the time so the weaver, she actually feeds it. Oh and yes, yes, it. and she then she feeds worse. it. Yeah, it's interesting. She actually feeds it with insects. You know, the, the weavers they are seed eaters, mm-hmm. but the, the 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 weaver chicks are fed uh, with insects. Uh-huh. And then so the, the the cuckoo is at an advantage because now when the weaver eggs hatch, the um, the chicks are smaller. And so weaver mom's got a really hard time when, when she's got to feed, mm. um, that extra greedy cuckoo chick. Yes. Um, so often the, the weavers breed twice in a, in a season, but if there's been a cuckoo chick there, then, um, she's too exhausted she's to have tired. another, to have another litter. Mm. Yeah. But you call it not a litter. That's so brood. interesting. Mm. Yeah. Gee. And and now tell me, we we Ainsley, you mentioned Christmas beetles. Oh. I love Christmas beetles. I think they've got so much character. If a beetle can have a character, now they also come around sort of November. They, Where yeah. do they come from? They come out of your compost heap, if I'm not mistaken. They lay their eggs. Um, okay, and then the, the beetle comes out. Okay, so the the, the beetles are um, they have a pupil stage. Okay, and so when they when they um, so when the adult then comes out of the um, uh, out of the pupa. Um, they will fly around and eat your, your leaves and your, yeah, your, which is not that, all your flowers, your roses and your, your veggie leaves. <laughs> 
Um, yes. Yeah, and then they will also they will they will mate eggs, and I think if I'm not mistaken, they lay them in the in the, the compost heap, and then they, the the um, uh, yeah, and then the the little beetles, a little the larvae come out, and then they pupate, and then you get the adults come out, and then they no. they fly they in, in summertime for a long time. No, 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 I they rem- come out now when it's no. yes. Mm. Yeah, I remember I used to tell my children that the Christmas beetles were sent as spies <laughs> to come and see if they were well behaved <laughs> enough to get a Christmas gift. Did it work? And were they yeah, well behaved? Oh yes, oh. they always used to worry when there was a Christmas beetle around. <laughs> they used to, you know, is he watching out for us? <laughs> but they don't last long because then they disappear. Yeah, sort of by the end of December, Look, it's, January. It's all about it's all about um, about uh, propagation of your species. Mm. So the adults come out like butterflies. The butterflies are also they don't live long. Yes. The reason is that it's in in in, uh, in nature you 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 mate and you produce your you know your your offspring, mm-hmm. and that's then you've done your your deed your you know your purpose of life. Yes. yes. Um, uh, so your same thing, butterflies, your beetles don't last that long because once they are adults, they fly, they find a mate. They, and then they, uh, she lays her eggs and then they have done the, the And they don't job. have to raise their offspring, so there's no purpose for them to No, eat. they don't. Yeah. The offspring, they look after themselves, yeah. yeah they, um, what, I, what I also want to say, I think you probably know, but it's quite a well-known story, but like your, your, your um, the, like the praying mantids, you know, mm. um, they, um, the, uh, when they mate, you, know, you can have the male actually mating and she, um, you know, the, the praying mantis are carnivores and they will eat other insects and she might eat her mate. While he's busy mating her, she can actually start eating him. Oh and it, it sounds very cruel, but the, uh, what you can say is that he's giving his, um, protein mm-hmm. for his offspring. Yes. So he's, um, <laughs> very <laughs> sacrificial. That's right, uh, that's right. But, but yeah, same with your spiders, you know, your, your, okay, there's not insects now if you're not talking about arachnids, but your spiders also, the female, she makes the nice, the web and, um, and, yeah, and she can eat the male by mistake. So, and the male's often smaller than she is. So when he comes to mate with her, he has to make it quite clear that he, um, he either makes a little, uh, on the web, he makes a little sort of uh, symbol, you know, a little, uh, code that, you know, that mm-hmm. she knows that she calms down, that it's not, yes. uh, not prey. Or she might, he might actually, uh, wrap her in silk and then oh. mate with her, you know, otherwise to keep her, otherwise she might, might eat him. That's but mean. again, it's, um, if she does eat him, it's for the, <laughs> for, for the, the good the of the species. Of. But now talking about spider, this is also the time of the year. Where, I don't know what they are. People call them rain spiders. Yeah, the big ones, yes. Yes, yes. the big ones. Yes. Tell us about those. Well, I can just tell you they're harmless, right? And okay. they, we've got them in our house. Um, the female, again, is bigger than the male. And they're active at night. They can be huge. They're huge, yes. Mm. They're huge. They can be as big as your hand. But they're really, they're harmless. They eat your mosquito. So, uh, oh, um, yeah, we, I was actually then. very sad the other day that our rain spider, because she, she moves around at night, actually by mistake got squashed in the door in the, in the, you know, so it was, we had a death in our family. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I know, I always name them. I give them names. <laughs> Oh it makes them more unthreatening. But if you think in nature again, if you're coming back to the function of insects, well, everything has a function. You talk about your pollinators and then the compost makers. A lot of insects then contribute towards mm-hmm. compost. They can break down your leaves and your wood. Your wood termites break down wood. Your your harvest termites break down grass, and then it all contributes towards compost. But if you think of a termite mound, you know, the, I'm thinking of the harvester one. You know, these mud-looking um, um, like termite mounds are hard. Mm-hmm. And they're sealed because the termites, they keep the temperature inside in a const- constant. So the outside of, of the, of the nest is sealed by, they make it with, with, with mud and, and, and their saliva. Yes. And in there, they live and they're sort of in, 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 in a big uh, combination. You know, they have, you, the workers all have different functions and the queen is one. 
and one king and they and they, what they do then is lay eggs and 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 um yeah and then the the workers look after the you know the workers look after the the the, the king and queen they look after the the babies you know the, the little termites and then they make the nest builders that the, the um, harvesters who get the food and then the soldiers who protect the nest and then um but so yeah the, so the function you can say in, in in ecology the function of the termite mount is that it aerates the soil because these termite tunnels go right down mm. to water level and so it aerates the soil it makes um they make they provide compost it becomes compost so termite mounds are very important and they um yeah and also the, again the termites themselves are food for lots of things yes. for lizards birds and Some the, of the best birding you'll do is at a termite Yes, rise. and particularly after rain, after rain then, the queen will sense that there's need, a need for uh, procreation. I mean, to have, to, to lay eggs that are, that produce fertile termites, which are your flying termites. Is that the flying ant mm. that we say? The, the ants okay. also do. So the ants and termites are different, different orders. Your termites are more primitive. They belong to, uh, to diptera, the family. Um, not diptera, what is it called? Um, Anyway, they're more primitive. They don't have a pupil stage, whereas your ants belong to Hymenoptera, the same as your uh, your wasps and your bees. They have a pupil stage, and they are a more advanced. Um, but they're also flying, flying, flying ants and flying so termites. So the ones that, the ones that we get in yes, Joburg that fly that and drop their four wings. The ones that drop their wings are termites. Yes. The ah, ones that do not drop their wings ants, are though. ants. Yeah. So they actually do different things. Um, but so the, the ones that you get coming into your houses after rain that drop their wings are your, your termites and they drop their wings to start a new, um, uh, a, yes. a new uh, family, a new colony, and yeah, you must actually keep your windows closed because mm. they will probably go for your wood. They might go for oh, your um, okay. for your skirting boards or really? uh, or for your um, rafters in your in your roof, and it is a real problem. They uh, they okay. they can do that. You and why are they drawn to light? Because I mean, if you sit in your car with your car lights on, they mob mob the lights. Mm. Yes, I'm not sure. Well, I, I do. Of course, they attract each other. So your okay. look, your your wood termites. Obviously, termites are, are herbivores, but um, you have got a lot of insect. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, con- carnivorous to, um, insects, you can say, who are attracted to lights because that's where the, where the other ones all are. They seem to be attracted. So there's a lot of food yes, for them yes, at yes. the lights. They do actually seem seem to die, you know, at the lights. And that's also why you get your um, uh, your geckos um, mm. are also attracted to your because, to your to your light because they eat the 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 the, 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 the uh, mosquitoes and whatever is attracted to the to that. What is a problem with lights is that if, like in the nature reserve where I work, is that you have um, the the houses around the nature reserve have lights mm. and the white lights attract insects, mm. so the insects are attracted away from the reserve. Which is not a good thing. Mm, where there's pesticides yeah. and all sorts. Mm. Um, Corinne, just before we let you go, uh, we were talking about spiders. The one mm. spider that everybody is very scared of, and that's the button spider. Mm-hmm. Are they quite common in in Gauteng? They're or? quite common, and people are petrified of yes, them. Yes, they are. And they are, uh, will doom them. You know, they will kill them. Mm. So rather, if, if you uh, really worries you, um, just get a, a, put a glass over it, and then slide some paper and between the between the uh, service that the, the spider's on and put your, um, and then, t- t- and then take the spider outside and put it outside mm. because it, it does a good job there. Yes. Um, it's just, I would like to say to people, just don't, don't kill everything. Don't kill. It's not necessary. It's no. not necessary. And, and, and these little things that, uh, I know I've got a very big, um, 
um, twig insect, uh, stick oh, insect wow. in, my, in, in our display because we've got an educational center in the, in the reserve. And we have a lot of um, specimens there from different insects and, and skulls from different the mammals that we have and whatever. But um, the big the, that stick, stick insect, everybody says, oh, that looks so scary. Um, it does, but you can actually, you know, when it was still oh, alive and I got it, you can actually hold them. They're very placid. Mm. They're very sweet. No, well, I think the message there is we need our insects. They all have a role to play in various ways, whether it's to keep down, you know, as you were saying, the spiders eat the cockroaches mm, and the, and the mosquitoes. They all work together. Corinne, thank you so much. Again, quickly, before we run out of time, how can people get hold of you in Kluvendal or come for one of your tours? Yes, it's, uh, we've got the website, www.kluvendalfriends.org.za. And then we also have a Facebook. Um, it's called uh, Friends of the Kluvendal Nature Reserve. That's the Facebook. And then, um, yeah, and on the website you'll find our contacts and you also find the guided walks that we offer for the public as over weekends. We've got two of our guided walks for, on, uh, we've got frog evenings, we've got, uh, scorpion and spider walk, we've got insect walks, we've got all sorts of different, yes. different themes. Um, that's on the website. We also then school groups. We like those are private ones also during the week. And it's all, the information is on the website. We'd love school groups to, 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 more of them because we are curriculum based. Mm. We've got guides for Gaza guides who know, um, who know all about the, the ecology. Wonderful. And can, uh, no, it's very, them. very necessary. Karin, thank you so much for coming in. We're running out of time, yeah, but I must just say, Lisa Beck has just uh, mm-hmm. replied back and he's concerned. He says the NSPCA will kill the kittens. No, nah, that's rubbish. And he's got two buyers already. So, well, you need to make sure that those people know how to take care of them mm. because if you have a responsibility and have you're going to make money off of selling other animals. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All them, all, all and of them. And don't let those kittens breed and have the mummy spayed. Exactly. Definitely. Guys, we've run out of time again. I'll be back again next week. As mentioned earlier, um, next week I'm on and then we, Ainsley and I are going to take turns, which is going to be so much fun. Get, give me a bit of time to get Canine Zone running and all the rest. Um, we'll be back next week. I'm going to have Viv from Saints and we're going to have Tracy from Barking Mad. And uh, until then, give all your pets big hugs from us. Animal Central on cliffcentral.com.